We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. In June of last year, we did an amazing episode on digital products with a great overview of why you should do them, how to find good ideas and common pitfalls with lots of examples and details. So in this follow-up episode, we're going to talk through four common formats or what I like to call modalities for digital products and really give you a deeper dive into them. Michael, are you ready to talk about this fun topic? Absolutely am. Uh, I think this is such a fantastic topic for really the three reasons that you talked about in our last episode that you should add a digital product and so why you should bother. The first one is people are obsessed with finding a big potential market or TAM, total addressable market. But you were talking about it's much, much better to find a small one and dominate it. And mm-hmm. this can really be part of it because the the economics of it allow you to dominate a lot more easily. That, that was my understanding of what you were saying. The second one, which is just such a sophisticated concept, which I loved, was your lodria. So the law of diminishing returns in advertising. It's, you call it financial diarrhea here, that leads to the dehydration and death of your company. Your words, my friend. But I, I really, <laughs> whilst a grim image, I, I really love the reality check. And it's something people don't talk about enough. And then the third one is you were talking about you have sort of lots of different attributes, which if you haven't heard the episode, do listen to the previous episodes. A really important prelude to this, I think. So you realize why you've got to really take this seriously, that there are so many great attributes to prod, um, products and they are, you know, digital products hit a lot of them. One of which I would just flag up mm-hmm. as an Amazon seller who sourced from China. So hard to copy, which is so, so important. If you just told me that, I'm sold already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. the great reasons why it matters. So, yeah, I'm very excited to dive into, you know, the actual uh, yeah. formats because the reason behind it is so powerful. Yeah. So that brings us to what are these common formats? What are What's your first format or modality? Yeah, the first one is a PDF document. And it's one that many people would just overlook because PDF documents are so ubiquitous. They're used for many, many things, but they are a sellable product. And it's almost so simple that I think many people would just skip over the concept because they equate them with free document sharing, you know, process or work. It's like, oh, that needs to be a PDF. Oh, Okay. But we really can't actually make products out of PDFs. And of course, that's what Cinnamon and I started doing in September 2009. We have a catalog business, basically, of 3,000 PDFs available on Pixie Fair. And that catalog is also on Etsy. And uh, so those are our two sales channels. The PDF document details are pretty straightforward. For those who are familiar with them, it stands for Portable Document Format you know, made famous by Adobe and the Adobe reader is really the default tool for them. It's really the most popular universal document formatting format to, you know, to share in online, but let's just mention a few pros and cons of them and really think through how could we do this as a digital product? You know, how how could it be a sellable item or a usable item? But before I go on with those, Michael, thoughts on just this as, as the delivery methodology or modality PDF. First, just very simple, obvious point is that you guys have built, you know, a, a serious business that's given your income for many, many years based around this, as I understand. So it's just so mm-hmm. e- easy to overlook the simple and to to assume that complex, whatever form complex takes, 
is better for the customer and therefore mm. you're going to make more profit. I mean, I think the simplest yeah. was Occam's razor. I think, you know, some chap from 14th mm -hmm. century England said, like, the simplest solution is often the best. And mm -hmm. you guys are proof of that. So yeah. that's the main thing that strikes me is it's such a simple, basic type of product on which yeah. to build a sophisticated business, which is brilliant. Yeah. And I, you know, I, we, I don't want to rehash the prior episodes, but I just want to say again, try to rationalize this into your own context. If you sell potato chips, think about doing digital products related to potato chips. If you sell hair care products, think about doing digital products related to hair care products. Don't take this on as a shiny object and say, oh, I have to be a guru to teach on whatever digital thing to try to migrate into a whole different business. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is find your core customer that you're already selling to and create a digital product that they would find appealing and, and pay you for, or at least want from you. I mean, it could be a free version, but you also, you know, it, it could be a, a paid version. So that's the gist of this. So, so please don't, don't dismiss it out of hand because I know we're all sold so hard into selling on Amazon as third-party sellers with a product-based approach. And the salesmen who sell you into that are great at doing it. And, you know, so that's great and all, but I, I know so many people who literally will sell a physical product in on Amazon as a third-party seller or whatever. And, and they, they might sell $10,000 worth a month, but their profit is 0.00 or, or negative. And so if you sell a digital product and you make a couple hundred bucks per product or a couple thousand per product per month, and it's just no fuss, no muss, set it and forget it. Don't have to work on it again in the future, near zero marginal cost for delivery. The customer instantly gets it. Forget about two hour delivery time. Like, oh, two hour delivery time. Dude, I've been delivering my products instantly since 2009. So this has the attributes that could bolt into your existing business with really attractive business properties. And that, that's the whole gist of it. So I, I apologize for revisiting the primary use case before we talk about the details of PDFs. But I just want to make sure that we don't lose people because they think it's so darn simple. It's yeah. too simple to work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, do, do not apologize for re-educating Amazon sellers. <laughs> it's incredibly important. That's why I'm so happy to work with you and, and try and get the word out because yeah, we just get confused about what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, profit's what matters. And actually, cash flow is what really matters in the short and yeah. medium term to not die as yeah. a business. So, yeah, it, th we're educated by Amazon. or We have rather, I think, distorted mm -hmm. intentionally. They gamified it. And number of units sold and, you know, revenue seems to be what matters. And mm -hmm. as you just pointed out, you know, you could get a couple of hundred sales a month or even a year from a product that just sits there and that it's mm -hmm. almost all profit. That's a beautiful thing, and 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 we can just overlook it because it's so undramatic, as you say. Simple can be good. Yeah. So, so tell me about the other. So, let's dial in on on PDFs then. So, what are the particular yeah. pros and cons of PDFs as distinct from other digital products? Would you say? Let me share five pros and then two cons. So, the pros are as follows: they're very common to customers and easy for them to understand how to use. So, you don't have a huge learning curve with PDF documents. Most people will be like, oh, I know what that is. 
so you're not convincing them of some newfangled <laughs> delivery mechanism and methodology. It's just, it's very, very important to think through that. You don't want to have a friction in the process where people are like, oh, uh, I don't know how to use XYZ. So PDFs don't, don't have that problem. Second thing, they can deliver, be delivered in lots of ways, both free and paid on marketplaces, on your own website. They're almost universally sellable with a couple exceptions, which I'll mention in a minute, but but they're very, very, you know, widely uh, usable across the internet in terms of how you can sell them. Third thing, they're easy to make. Any word processing tool, I, you know, use Microsoft Word frequently. Um, other people will use different programs in design if it's really a design-based, you know, document you're making. And all of them just have an output that's save as PDF. No big deal. And there you go. Your product has been made. Number four, with some customers, generally older folks, they can have a hard time understanding how to open them, save them, print them. But there are tons and tons and tons of videos that you can just point people to or how-to guides. It's very simple to solve problems and educate users. So that's sort of a mix pro-con. And then let me mention the, the two cons. They're they are easily shareable. So if you give someone a PDF, they can share it with 50 friends. They could put it in a forum or, you know, online group or whatever. They, they could do that, could be posted online. So, so the product has that degree of flightiness, but there's ways around that we can talk through. But honestly, it's not that big a con in my view. The second con is they cannot be sold directly on Amazon, eBay, or Facebook or other large, 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 large marketplaces. They just can't, th th there's no mechanism by which you can sell PDF documents correctly and legally and, uh, and you know, directly on those marketplaces. Now you can hack things and try to create a workaround, but just, they don't, they don't, they're not designed for you to sell PDFs, put it that way. And so those are, those are a couple of drawbacks of PDFs, but in general, it should not be overlooked as a powerful product format for your information product. Excellent. Well, there's a lot of pros there. And by the way, before we move on to the cons, uh, presumably you can sell them via your own website because that's what you guys do, right? We do indeed. Shopify makes it super simple. They have their own digital delivery app now. In the olden days, there, before they created their own, there was an app called Sindal. It is still our app of choice and it makes it super simple to sell them through and, and deliver them to the customers through your Shopify store. Before we were on Shopify, prior to June of 2013, we used various tools, eJunkie, a few others to deliver digital goods through a WordPress-based site. But yeah, the solutions are very, very common now for direct consumer sales on your own website. Yeah. And you've mentioned the marketplaces that you cannot sell on. Are there any marketplaces that will accept PDFs these days? Yeah. I, I mean, in our niche, uh, Etsy is the best alternate place, but there are other sites depending on what your industry is. And, and I would just encourage people to go find their most appropriate, more large marketplace for their industry and ask the question, is there an opportunity to sell digital goods there? And, th and there are a lot of online platforms. And once you start to dig into the space, you start to realize, oh, these are just places I've never heard of, but they're actually huge marketplaces or, you know, industry specific. There are places for teachers and, you know, other professionals where you can sell PDF documents and, and uh, do well with it. 
fantastic uh, point about sort of niche specific marketplaces which is a really great idea because the competition is going to be so much lower the message to market match should be so much better one main thing that strikes me about all this there's a lot of real great pros there and simplicity especially if you are trying to get into you know the older market which is huge by the way if you think about Mm -hmm. the demographic structure of the us or never mind europe which is much older including uk there's just a massive untapped market there which you know my my parents for example in their mid-70s just beginning to buy stuff on amazon because they've been forced to it at gunpoint by the pandemic here and and now they're on you know my dad would be he's always reading i don't know italian novels or what have you and he's big big on using kindle because he can actually highlight them the words and look them up as opposed to grabbing a dictionary like my mom does and the next step is for him or somebody like him to be downloading a pdf and then suddenly you've got a whole range of customers may or may not be relevant to your product but i would suspect in quite a few cases it is mm-hmm. so that's the first thing really fantastic upside the other one is this that the downside of being easily shareable I think it's a, it's a mentality thing that I see everything from your suppliers trying to rip you off and you take them to, to court from patent infringements. Uh, I think as a mentality, we have to be very, very careful not to overvalue that which we have and spend disproportionate time and energy defending it. Because if it took you, you know, 20 or 30 hours of work and 500 bucks to create a PDF and you've got several thousand bucks back, I would argue that rather than worrying about the fact that somebody's going to steal stuff because it's so-called shrinkage happens in warehouses and that's stealing, right? Stealing happens in every system ever for any product that we should just focus on, okay, create the next one. Yeah, And uh, it's a small point, but it can become a big point for some people. I've seen that a number of times where people obsess about defensive strategies to the point of self-destruction. So just a small point. Well, an example in our own business, you know, we were shocked and mortified in a way when we first looked at some of our, after years of doing uh, doll clothes design, we started to look and we would see manufactured items be very, very, very similar to what we were, what we were having published as documents for patterns. And, you know, so the process is you, you know, make a pattern, publish it. And then people are use cases for home based makers. We also support Etsy sellers who want to make and sell the items. And we're fine with that. But we were mortified when we started seeing the download details be the credentials and IP address and email addresses all from Chinese factory locations. And we we're like, oh, the, the the manufacturers in China are just straight downloading our product for $3 or $4 or $5 and then using it to manufacture items for the, you know, for a large sale scale selling. And we really had a point of clarity at you know that moment where we were like do we care can we stop it does it matter does it stop our primary like uh success and honestly we were like well i even i guess you could call it open source information (laughs) for them now we say it's against our terms of service but we couldn't stop them anyway and and but it certainly wasn't a reason for us to glitch out or stop or you know go to some draconian next steps of anything we were just like "Mm, no that's not really what we wanted to have happen but we're still highly successful doing our core business and so i take your point completely i totally agree with you i don't think it's uh the end of the world in fact what i've always said to people when they ask this question is load your document up with information about who you are where you sell, your website, your brand, other products that are related to the one that people are looking at. And if it gets shared, it's just considerate word of mouth marketing. Be flattered by it and don't stress over it. So there you go. 
Yeah, I think, by the way, when it comes to industrial scale copying and taking your IP, I mean, there might be a very simple, calm business case for getting hold of an excellent lawyer and, and getting some agreements done in, in, in China. Probably very hard to do, though, unless you're at really huge scale. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, I mean, really, just the ordinary consumer stealing it, just because for most people, that's going to be more relevant unless you happen to be producing world-class docu- sort of documentation of how to make physical goods. For many mm-hmm. people, that probably will not be the case. Yeah, exactly. Uh, think of it as marketing uh, and getting your brand out so brand awareness marketing Mm -hmm. particularly for which you have already been paid which Mm -hmm. is great Mm -hmm. so if you flip your mentality on it everything's a bonus and uh, i think for a lot of physical product sellers that's probably going to be the right way to look at it in terms of you know how you put it in your product stack Mm -hmm. you put it up front it's an awareness raiser you maybe make some sales it gives you an opportunity to upsell down Mm -hmm. sell or cross sell and if you get money from it you know, it's fantastic. But if your mentality is it's a bonus and you don't have to spend anything like the amount of time, money and effort that you would develop in a physical product, I, mm-hmm. I imagine from everything we've said, then, you know, to, to get the right relationship to defensiveness, you know. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, so for those that are watching us live in this conversation, I'll just share my screen for a moment and and show this is an example from Pixie Fair. Of, you can see how we sell a, a PDF. So we make like a magazine type cover. And then obviously it's just a straight Shopify product. Add to cart, no big deal. Customers buy it just like they'd buy anything else on your Shopify site. And so for those listening through the podcast, you can go check out pixiefair.com, look at you know, 95, 99% or whatever of our products are digitally downloaded PDF files. And we have about 3,000. And so, yeah, straightforward, simple. Buy one if you want or t- download one of the free ones if you want just to see how the process steps work. We've got the largest collection here of free patterns as well as paid patterns. But you get the idea. That's the gist of it. No big deal. Easy, straightforward, and highly doable in many, many uh, niches or industries. Amazing. Now, I think if, if we even just stop there, we've probably given people massive value. But there's more, as they say on QVC. So what's your second second format or modality of digital product? Yeah, the one that I think most people would think of when they think of doing digital products is Kindle direct publishing. Uh, Amazon has just so dominated the space and Kindle has just been a huge, huge commercial success, but also a success beyond the device itself. And the, the platform itself has become the de facto way to publish you know, eBooks online. There are certainly other platforms that you can use and routes you can go down for multi you know, platform publishing, but Kindle Direct Publishing to have your ebook on Amazon is just so incredibly popular. That would be my second go-to uh, place. And so happy to talk through pros and cons uh, for that one as well. Absolutely. And here we are back in for, for the Amazon sellers listening, myself included back in the comfort zone in the sense that, okay, different type of product, but the platform that we're all familiar with negotiating mm-hmm. with, sometimes loving, sometimes hating. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what, what are the uh, pros and cons? Well, I guess one of the massive pros is you can get it on Amazon, which is just a monster marketplace for products. There you go. Yeah. What, what are the other things that we, we you know, entice us to do it? Yeah, a little more nuance there to that story. But sure. I mean, first of all, obviously, the Kindle marketplace is massive. Many, many, I don't have the latest stats, but I think we all would agree it's massive. The latest um, thinking, though, is that it's not just for Kindle reader users. It's also very, very common that people will just read Kindle uh, books through their app on their phone. That's very, very common now or through an iPad et cetera, et cetera. So the Kindle device is not necessary. So yes, in this format, you're selling into a huge installed base of readers 
and community of, of users. So that's the, the first pro. The second pro is you can set your own pricing from $2.99 US to literally hundreds of dollars. As a very, it, it, the, the low end range, sort of the floor is $2.99. They go up from there. It's become very common that a self-published Kindle book will be $2.99 or in that range. And traditionally published books that are made into Kindle will commonly still be $9.99 US. The, the traditional publishers just will not cave on their pricing and and have kind of made their own uh, line in the sand. And and so there's a lot you can do with pricing, I guess, is the gist of this, this pro. I'll mention three concepts here, just on uh, sub points here for this pro. One is, if you want to look like a traditional published book, just set your Kindle price at $9.99. And people will think that it's a traditionally published book with all the benefits of that, you know, really nicely done interior and really well edited and, you know, longer format. All of those uh, things may or may not be true technically about your ebook, but you can just mirror the pricing of the traditional publishers and you'll be in the, in the same realm with them in the customer mind. But you can also do two other things beyond that. You can have a, what's called a perma-free hack. A perma-free hack is a little technical, and I don't want to go into the details, but suffice it to say, uh, Kindle will mirror any pricing of your digital book anywhere else online. So if your digital book is published on a different platform as 0.00 or even like at one penny, then what will happen is Kindle will match that price on Kindle, and you'll have what's referred to, people call it a perma-free hack. And so you can have a, a near zero price point on Kindle, actually, if you just follow those types of steps. And then on the highest end, you can also follow our buddy Chris Green's strategy and make your, your digital book like a couple hundred dollars and use in the book itself QR codes that go to videos and then really make it a delivery of a full-on video-based course and sell it for hundreds of dollars. Now, that price point stands out radically on Kindle. Most people are not used to seeing a $97 Kindle book or, you know, $199 Kindle book. So you can do a lot with uh, pricing, I guess, is the the first, you know, the, the, the point here. Any thoughts on that, Michael, before I go on to the rest of the pros and then cons? Yeah, I mean, just quickly, I guess what's interesting is is how broad the price range is, actually, and what you can do. I mean, I remember a, a very good business coach of mine saying price is a positioning tool as much as anything else. And we tend to be rather economics driven as entrepreneurs and, and forget that price sets expectations. And I'm really interested in this this tweak you can make. And if you set something at 9.99, it kind of automatically makes it look like a properly done book, you know, professionally produced by a traditional publisher. I guess the only thing I'd say is if you set an expectation, whether conscious or unconscious, you better deliver. So nicely done, interior, well edited, longer than mm -hmm. than a sort of short self-published type one. If if you tend to produce shorter ones, I guess yeah. you got to make sure you hit that right. But, sure. but yeah, but that's very, very, very interesting. And also that the perma free all the way up to 197, that's a crazy kind of sounding price. But also mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, as you say, that sort of different is better than better, as, as Rick Cesari says, any sort of mm -hmm. marketing guru for, for things like the GoPro camera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's also kind of fun. I mean, if nothing else, if you sell one a month, you don't have a minimum order quantity like you do with goods from in the physical mm -hmm. realm. It kind yeah. of doesn't matter. That's 197 of profit, right? Pretty much. So that's really cool. I like yeah, it a lot. To totally. It, you're totally right. It is a, you you want to think of these as like catalog businesses. 
Yeah, in many ways. So you, you you know, if you have a collection of related products that all sell well, it stacks up. Yeah, and you're right. Lo, even the low numbers of sellers still add uh, dollars to your bottom line because of the high margin. Yeah. Okay. And so on that, I just oh. wanted to ask you quickly because obviously you are in the position where you do this day in day out. I mean, you could say tending to sell PDFs rather than Kindle books. What's your experience of the sort of sales numbers per? item or per catalog item generally and how does that stack up in real life it really depends tremendously on your placement of where you're selling your own website of course is dependent on your own marketing skill sets and your audience size on the marketplaces a lot more technical work is involved in terms of getting exposure and strategies related to you know blowing it up but i will say that it a couple points to, to look into. If you're really interested in this, you've got to read Chris Anderson's book, Free the Future of a Radical Price. His book, uh, and then The Long Tail, those two books together, and I would read The Long Tail first, and then Free the Future of a Radical Price. Those books are the defi- like the Bible of digital goods, and most people never even heard of them. And you know, those, they're published five, 10 years ago, whatever it is. And he's moved on. He's the executive director of TED, TED Talks. But um, he used to be the editor of Wired Magazine. And, but those books will serve you tremendously well. And so, but here's one principle, just as, uh, for example. This is very, very, very common. You make a catalog of products, digital products. Maybe it's on Kindle. Maybe it's on your own website. Maybe whatever. It's on Etsy. It doesn't matter. And, and let's just say they're not successful you know, just like marginal, like whatever, no, no popularity. No, you, you just haven't, lightning hasn't not striked yet for you. And then one day lightning strikes and you either publish a new thing that is incredibly popular or you just over time figure out how to get lightning bolts to be increasing in magnitude, or you just get, you know, featured by a magazine article or an online blogger or something like that. And the lightning strikes and what happens is it electrifies your entire catalog. So then what, what, what that single lightning bolt will just make all of your sales, boom, just go crazy. And so that is a very common dynamic for digital publishing and a very uncommon, but it could, I guess, in third party selling and private label could be similar if you, if you have, you know, unsuccessful products that are marginally successful and then you have a smash hit, you get the idea. Those are some of the dynamics that go into successes. And and generally speaking, it's a range in terms of actual revenue. Digital products can make you zero dollars or they can make you a few few dollars, less than hundreds. It can make you thousands. But as we all know, the power of publishing is unlimited upside potential. You can be featured by Oprah. You could get on a nightly news program. You could have millions and millions of copies sold. It is not I mean, it is there. It it is a feature of the universe of publishing. And will that happen for you? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, statistically, probably not. But it's still a part of a mechanism in the system. And I love so it. it. I just you know, want to just pick up on a few of these things because I think they're so so powerful as business principles. I mean, first of all, if you're comparing digital products to physical products, but I think we should take this broader principle. The down, well, let's let's say this asymmetric risk reward, which I'm getting obsessed with recently, and been working yeah. on with some of my more you know intellectually curious clients. I guess if you if they're willing to look at things conceptually and then figure out how to make strategy and then implement. So explain but, that to us. What's yeah asymmetric risk reward is when you risk the the maximum you can lose is say you know. 
a dollar mm-hmm. per unit or a thousand dollars on a on a on a order uh, from China or whatever. And the the upside you could make is five thousand. So if you make enough asymmetric risk reward bets, then you should grow. You should really scale. And but if just as Jeff Bezos says, look, uh, he said something like, if, if you know you've got a one in ten chance of something blowing up, and then nine out of ten chances of it blow, you know falling apart, then you should probably take that bet. But you've got to be willing to fail nine times. Now, mm-hmm. with physical products, that's a high risk strategy because you're investing a lot of money. But with digital products, although you've got an upfront investment of time and effort, if you're doing it at scale, you can be more effective and efficient. You can hire your editor, and get yeah. your team going. But if the downside is extremely limited and the upside is almost unlimited, that tells me that's an incredible risk management slash uh, risk reward ratio, which for me gets me very, very excited because okay. <laughs> actually that's so important, right? This needs to be an entire podcast because it is, is an entire podcast, but I just is, think it's intrinsic to the digital products, hence why I'm mentioning it. It's gold. And I, I have stories related to that. I'll just mention one little thing. What you just said reminds me of what Robert Kiyosaki said one time about being a publisher or being in business He about his Rich Dad Poor Dad book. He got interviewed by a snarky interviewer and she said um, most businesses fail what do you say to that and he said who cares and then she was like well what do you mean he said well if you fail and then you can start over then why does it matter if you fail you just keep starting over until you make it work and she was like well (laughs) and he's really just his his thinking there is the risk reward question and apply to business generally but it also of course applies to product level uh, work. So I totally agree with you. We need to do an episode on that because there's so much gold there to mine for us as business owners. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Um, hope you've got as much out of it as I have. I think that Jason has so much to offer here. Don't forget, Jason and Cinnamon, his wife, have made their entire living really based on digital products. And lest we forget the humble PDF that everyone, presumably, if you're like me, if you're starting point before you listen to this stuff, is, oh, it's just a thing that you use to capture email addresses. Well, that's absolutely untrue because they've built basically a business on the back of selling PDFs for good money. So the humble PDF, if nothing else, it's reconnected you with the the value of it, then I think this show has done a very valuable service. The Kindle thing is interesting because if, like me, you're an Amazon-based person and that's your comfort zone, it's fantastic to have something which, while be it may be a product category that is different and that's not physical products, and you may be a bit uncomfortable with becoming a first-time author, which we've talked about separately, by the way, then at least it's on a platform that you know and understand. If I was about to say know and love, but that might be exaggerated for some Amazon sellers, of course, but at least you understand what's going on. And particularly if you're able to use the advertising system, it's a great opportunity for you. I sort of took us down a bit of a rabbit warren in this one, talking about uh, risk-reward ratios, but I don't really apologize for that. In fact, we so much so that we are going to do an entire sort of mini series on some microeconomic and investment principles. And I would say risk-reward ratio is an investment principle. So again, if nothing else, you should really be considering digital products because the downside is so low. You'll spend a few hundred bucks maybe on some editing and some formatting and maybe a nice cover and then not much happens. But the upside potential is, is so big because most of what you sell stays in your pocket as profit, which is very, very different indeed from developing your own private label or custom products. So for that reason alone, I would really, really urge you if you're a physical product person and that's how you've seen yourself so far, 
be willing to at least thoroughly explore this whole digital product space and the obvious starting point pdfs and kindle books what's coming up next is a uh, in the next episode we'll go into a few more of the pros and cons of kindle books and then we're all going to be talking also about audible books and not least video which is an incredibly popular and sometimes incredibly lucrative thing to sell normally in the form of a course but we'll get into that next time as ever folks don't forget to subscribe to the show whichever podcast device you're listening on and what podcast um, platform i should say and if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do give us a rating. You don't even need to write a review. Just tap on the number of stars that you think we deserve. Really helpful to us. That's all we're going to ask. This takes time, effort and money. And uh, all we're asking in return is a little bit of love on the app of your choice. So please do help us out that way. And I hope this episode and the information in it have been seriously helpful to you. Thanks for listening. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.